Okay, I'm here. I'm making eye contact with my friends. Uh-huh. All right. And also, I want to get this out of the way right at the top of the episode. Okay. We're talking about music. We're talking about Seal. Uh, the musician Seal? Yeah. Well, it's C-I-E-L, and the best oh. that I can guess okay. is that it's Seal. C- and Say it again. C-I-E-L. E-L. Okay. Seal. Correct Unlike me. Unlike if... the seal. Other seal. No. S-E-A-L. A-L. Like the... Oh, 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 oh. Right. The, the animal. Uh-huh. So I just want that right at the top. We're calling them we... seal. We hope that they are hope calling right. themselves seal as well. And if we're wrong, we're apologizing. In advance. In advance. Fair. fair. Okay. Um, But also, just for, for format, I want to be like, hey... This is who we're talking about before we do the all important like chatter. Yeah, and by talk. episode twenty, I think we're really gonna get this format down. I mean, this is fourteen, and I feel we're getting so I close, feel like you guys. This is, I mean, you're gonna be so impressed with my formatting here. I'm cannot. Wait I to nailed see. it because you were kind of off mic before we started. You were Whoa. like, Scott's kind of dumb. I was <laughs> explaining to our guest star who we're about to introduce. I was explaining the format of the show which is that Scott shows us music that is good and uh, not getting enough attention for how uh-huh. good it is online. And it also is, uh, you know, uh, doesn't have that much written about it. So we, we're, we're kind of, we're like myth-making here, trying to tell stories about bands um, that don't have that much information. You know, you can read their lyrics, you can see what they put out on themselves and maybe a few articles here and there, but... Part of that is then finding other connections. So there's Act 1, Act 2. Act 2 is supposed to be a a, a topic that is uh, a through line from Act 1, from their music, that we can then go deeper into, the, you know, something about their process or something about them that's interesting. But it has become, as I was saying as off mic, a very loose thread. The thread between Act 1 and Act 2 has has been become quite frail. It's a historians it's a, it's a twenty years gentle. from now at podcast studies uh-huh. are gonna be like it was a pretty awesome thread. <laughs> oh yeah, I po- I, uh, someone doing their master's thesis on podcasts changing yeah the perspective of uh, uh, and they're gonna hone in on music. this one yeah of course. on this one yeah yep this is that's gonna because be... in the future you listener have given us five stars on apple uh reviews and you've also like commented subscribed and shared this podcast and that's why they're studying it right in the future yes this is correct this is all on you right listener you got to do this we've also brought in a friend for the first time on the pod hello friend it's rose from burn mar-a-lago when your bladder's full but the bars are closed you go beep be in the calle. Perfect. I thought you had more. When your friends are lined up and they say, come on, we're gonna go pee-pee in the calle. Pee-pee <laughs> in the calle. Oh, excuse me. Uh, tell us about your, tell everyone about your band. Mm, my band. My band. 
Uh, we're a bunch of clowns. It's um, Burn Malaganagro. <laughs> you just released an album. <laughs> you did just release an album. Um, we it's the it was probably the most creative album release I've ever seen. Um, in that there was actually no music put on the internet or distributed on a Physically. physical disc. Um, instead, you released what was an an album monster. You mm-hmm. released the album. Yeah, the album monster, which we then sent back. Because it wasn't ready to be released, actually. Yeah, I mean, so. it's pretty dangerous. It was pretty dangerous. It was yeah. a risky move. The album I mean, the album mo- monster, monster the coincided with them turning on CERN again. Like, that's a real uh, <laughs> reality-shifting event. Uh, and we also had a guest appearance from Mitch Album, who thought that uh, when we released the album, he meant he thought we meant him, Mitch Album, the, mm-hmm. the Michigan author, um, Tuesdays with, with Maury. That's the one. Yeah. You, it's really easy to confuse which album was you know, released, was released, or is going to be released. And people need to be more clear on their that they're re- when they're releasing an album, what kind of album? Because Mitch album just shows up, album monster just shows up, and it's like, oh, you're releasing a ten to twenty song compilation. It's a I whole had no lesson idea. on That's... being clear with your intentions. Uh-huh. And that is our theme. No. Oh. <laughs> Thank God. I thought you were about to do a, a lead-in transition. I thought you were about is, to school me this on- This is a uh, full you, hour you and a us. half on moral panic. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're all ready. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about Seal, who is a- And I really hope it's Seal, because <laughs> I'm going to be saying Seal a lot. Uh, yeah, you know. Uh, So this is kind of a- long in the making project out of the UK, Brighton. You've been be... on a UK dig. Well, they just they're good they music. have more resources for music mm-hmm. than we do. So yeah. I mean an American will get their due, you know, after they You've been finding really good bands and you're on a UK kick because they're good. They're good. They do and good they stuff. They deserve it. So it's a three piece. The uh front person she cut her teeth in the Netherlands DIY scene. Cool. Uh, playing in a band called, I believe, Vovok. You're uh, really taking six some years. pronunciation leaps here. I'm taking a lot of leaps. Okay. I uh, mean, you were right with Isle of Egg. I was right. Mm-hmm. So I think I just have to go with my gut here. Okay. Uh, so DIY scene in the Netherlands, uh, playing in the band. And started touring, going around, meeting people. Uh, Met a lot of very cool people being part of the DIY scene in the Netherlands. There's an interview where they're talking about, the interviewer is talking about how it seemed like they were kind of outside of the typical Netherlands DIY band, which, you know, leans like, you know, garage screamo kind of. Does it? I don't. I guess yeah, I don't does. know. It does. Yeah. Okay. I mean, DIY is DIY everywhere. Okay. You know, like when we. <laughs> well, go I mean, and in Detroit, I assume it's that because you know we're the the home of the garage Jack Whitey experience. Yeah. Just everywhere. But you know, everywhere is the home. Everyone has a Jack White. Everywhere is opening up the pit at a Denny's in the Midwest. Right. Like that's actually everywhere. Cool. So. Uh, 
you know, they're doing, they were experimenting with like bedroom pop and like ethereal textures and stuff. So they were kind of like outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they met another couple of people in Brighton and then committed to living there full time in the mid 2010s. Moving for music. Moving for music. Or at least, unless there's something more that we don't know. Seal. Eh, all the press. Member. <laughs> we think you moved for music. Good for you. Yeah, or was it something else? <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, okay, so they move. They move. They start putting out stuff as Seal in 2017. That EP is very bedroom pop focused. Mm-hmm. Uh, very minimal live instrumentation. Uh, and, you know, like pretty like, you know, jangly bedroom pop. Did you say in 2020? 2017. Oh, 2017. Okay. Yeah, and then since 2017, there has been a move towards a more aggressive rock sound, uh, and there have been like five EPs put out between 2017 and now. Oh, cool. The uh, second song that we listened to, Pretty Face, mm-hmm. was put out in 2019, and that's produced by one of the members of Braids. Oh, which one? The dude. Which dude? I've got a lot of content okay, here. Okay, I'm sorry. There's, there's, I think there's four members of Braids, and three of them are dudes, if I'm remembering correctly. No, maybe there's three members of Braids, and two of them are dudes. And there's Ra from Blue Hawaii. Austin and then, Tufts. Okay, cool. Is that yep. the drummer? I just love the drummer. He's really good. Sorry, okay. You don't need to figure it out now. I just, I really like Braids. I was actually just re-listening to them because I was making a playlist for um, my new Croatian friend, and I put... You braids put braids on, on it. Yeah, yeah, I know that you love braids. So when yeah. I was looking up, I was like, oh, braids. And that was the second track. And mm-hmm. I think that you can hear that those hints of like swirling braids-esque production on like the like step down melodic guitars and stuff. It yeah. has a lot of uh, a lot of those things in common. And again, that's from uh uh Seal is at this point still a 100 percent DIY project. Yeah. They've just met cool people from doing shows you know for the yeah. last 10 years so uh there's that going on on that ep the latest ep which is coming out in october uh was done by uh blood red shoes who, i don't know who yeah that is. that's an that's an alt rock band they were in the uh scott pilgrim soundtrack okay cool so, you know, yeah. it's got that. And then that's uh, the new EP has a lot more edge to it. Is it that gets the first pre- song? We that was the first to? song. I really liked that. I mean, I liked both that you played me, but the first song I I was a little more. I was like drawn to it. immediately. Yeah. yeah. It's got a really it's it's really strong rock music, like guitar forward rock, pretty aggressive. It goes. You were. It's like poppy too. It is poppy, and yeah. it also yeah, it has like a big range of like it, it opens up even more than you kind of expect because it has it sounds pretty like full, but then it goes to that one part where the and that's not the one that that a braids person worked on. No, because it goes to that one part with the lo- it's like the low time is makes kind of interesting. Yeah, it, it's like it's very it's low, very low. It's very very low. Yeah, and you like a boom boom. I love a boom boom. So you know, I brought I brought the boom Thank booms. Thank you. I feel heard and seen. I appreciated that boom boom. This was a good boom boom. You've done well. Well, Seal did great. Uh huh. 
So that is coming out, and let me pull up the name here. I've got... Rose, what did you think of this song? I also liked the boom boom. Yeah? Um, <clears throat> I liked when it would get weird and then go back to just being jangly melodies, but then being kind of harsher rock. I like that. Yeah. It's a good song. Good songs. Good I mean, that's a, that's really throughout their f- whole, like, pretty uh, extensive yet brief discography. I think that that's, like, a common thread on all of them. It will push pretty fucking weird and then move back into very, very pretty. And I, I love that. I also love that. <laughs> there's a there's an interview with them about uh, like their favorite moment on recording this EP was there was a um, there was a session where they just took a you know a good old Juno and then ran it through a few uh, you know pedals and then just had it feed back on itself yeah and then they just recorded like a few hours of that and then picked the coolest like moments for that to make a collage to layer into the choruses. That's awesome. So some, you know, some real solid studio stuff. So the uh the newest EP is Not in the Sun Nor in the Dark and that's going to come out in October. There are two singles off of it available right now. Fine Everything, that's what we listen to, and then Baby Don't You Know. So that's happening. They're they're really making a push for it. They've got some pretty cool uh, organic radio play happening on the BBC. Are they touring and stuff? They are touring and stuff. They've got uh, they're playing the Victoria in London on August fifth. I hope that's cool. Then it looks like they're doing a run <laughs> in October, doing uh, the Shacklewell in London. The Crofters in Bristol, uh, Wild Paths Th- Festival. Those all sound so British. Yes, Prince Albert in <laughs> oh Brighton, Bobix right. in Newcastle upon Tyne, uh, and the Hug and the Pint in Glasgow. Wow! So Which is very z- hitting those UK yeah. notes. All right. <laughs> they also have a campaign right now on their Facebook. They are shortlisted for the Green Man Festival. But they Which we need talked about in episode two. Two was Lost it episode two last month? Yeah, yeah that's right. uh, that's the Isle of Egg. Uh huh. Um, so, so pick this trail if you're listening. Yeah, and I think that you have been listening to every single episode. This band rules. You should go. Uh, you know, give them a vote on their page. They're they're on the short list. That's cool. Uh, so that's that's very cool. They're doing cool stuff. And that's, uh, you know, that's kind of where they're at. So now is the time where you prove to me that there's a very strong thread between Act 1 and Act 2? There is going to be a very strong thread between Act 1 and Act 2. Okay. So the second song that we listened to, the one produced by the Braids guy, Mm -hmm. uh, is called Pretty Face. And it is about a, it's from the perspective of a man who has lost his wife to a cult. Whoa. So, got me thinking about the nature of, you know, losing someone to a cult and how that would have to require, like, a degree of coercion and control and the act of, like, scrambling up somebody's brains. It's called Pretty Face? Yes. 
And it's about losing someone to a cult. It's about losing your wife to losing a cult. Losing your wife to a cult. Is she the one with the pretty face? Who's got the pretty face? The, does the cult have the pretty face? I think that I think both would be applicable. I think that's a very good creative license. Okay. I think it. Yeah. All right. We're climbing up your thread. We're climbing up We're the climbing thread. We're climbing it up it. We're so, trying to turn this thread into a ladder. Connect me more. Uh, Where are we headed? <laughs> so first off, <laughs> throw away. Uh, it just happened to be released uh, this week, like resurfaced footage. Ginny uh, Thomas, Clarence Thomas's wife, Supreme Court Justice. Oh, the bad man. Uh, was in a cult for like six years. Uh huh. Yeah, in the in the early eighties, the uh, Light Center, which was uh, a like self improvement cult, where you know they took all your money, made you do stuff, and uh, you know it's kind of like a you know a proto Nexium. Okay. Which then an MLM based cults but it also they do corporate retreats and they oh, like hold the you in boring. seminars it's like forever the most boring. can we do fun cults again that's like oh, every no, cult no, we're, now. Go, we're going into no no, no 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 i'm just saying i'm just saying to the world at large i'm not saying about this specific topic i'm just saying if you're doing a cult out there get fun again get fun again i want more uh of that drinking silver alkaloidal uh, what am i saying oh uh correct the, me uh, the colloidal, colloidal silver. Colloidal silver. I want more turning colors. Well, you... <laughs> <laughs> Getting dressed up in Christmas lights. Yes. Yeah, well, Ginny Thomas was in one of these lame, boring cults. Of course she was. And of fucking course. <laughs> um, this cult then went to a couple of iterations. Uh, it became EST, which then became what is legally disclaimered, not a cult, landmark. Legally, not a cult. Interesting. Why are we doing this? Well, we're going to (laughs) talk about why we're doing this. Okay, because I think we maybe on mic have said a different thing. Well, I have learned that legally, Landmark is not a cult. Interesting. Did we not say that? It just so happens to be two steps removed and run by the same people as these two other cults. Yeah, I mean... Landmark... They ran, you know, they did some iterations and they learned and they are not a cult. Yeah. And and why are are we saying it in this? Because it's an important legal distinction. uh The landmark is not not a a cult. cult. But so so um, would it be okay for me to say that I've heard rumors you could hear rumors, but legally they are not a cult. Interesting. Yes, I mean I've definitely heard some rumors about how they have been accused. They have by people that been are accused us. of being a cult. Right. But legally, legally, so they've had some cases. They've had some cases. So, Ginny uh, Thomas. Okay. Well, uh, part of this whole thing, she's in a cult for six years, which is a pretty long time. Uh-huh. Questionable. Um, the thing is, is uh, she gets out of the cult, and then it's that thing where you, you have a thing happen to you to go like, ah, that was bad. I'm going to do some activism against it. Uh-huh. So uh, she, she becomes an anti-involved in anti-cult activism. 
okay. uh, in the mid-80s to the early 90s until she gets a job in the labor department saying that, like, maternity leave is bad. And then she's like, <laughs> this is my new thing. But for a few years, she's really into anti-cult stuff and gets into uh, doing a lot of activism with the Cult Awareness Network, which gets into some really fascinating American legal history on the concept of brainwashing. All and right. Well, we were actually just talking about this with talking about hypnotism. Um, Am I connecting hypnotism to what? Fuck yeah. <laughs> I don't, yes. I don't Bring know. it in. Uh, <laughs> I think probably cults use types of hypnosis to that bring people into their their uh, control. Um and, I mean, okay, so uh, just to, like, so Burn Mar-a-Lago has had a, um, it's it's a clown punk band. I don't think we introduced it very well, because we've, you know. Because you asked me to introduce so yeah, it. Yeah, so it's a, a clown punk band that does performance theater in addition to the music. It's almost, it's basically like a full-on musical. Yeah, Like a punk rules. band musical of clowns. Thanks. And every show is, uh, you know, there's many, there's different Full written shows, and one of the shows is is a is a is a based on cults. Yes, and the structures of cults, and it's it's a clown cult. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've had to do some character work to develop that. Yes. So you've been thinking about these concepts. Yes, a lot, yeah. a lot. Um, I'm very inspired by by many. Um. I don't know if legally I can say they're cult leaders <laughs> because now Scott scared me. <laughs> but, um, by some people say alleged rumored cult Hell leaders yeah. <laughs> like Teal Swan, um, who I love uh, as a cult leader because she just is so inspiring to me as a clown um, because she says just ridiculous ass shit. And I think, I think part of it is hypnosis for Teal, definitely, because if you've ever looked up a video about Teal, and I would not recommend it, um, she does your algorithm will be <laughs> fucked. Yeah, just 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 don't do it because all I get is Teal stuff now. But um, you know, she stares at the camera with her blue eyes. I mean, she's super hot, and yeah. she kind of pulls you in to to her way of thinking through her hotness and her blue eyes, her teal teal eyes. Uh, and so that was uh, the basis of our of our cult leader character called the important one, and I played the important one. And the important one has a has a cult of panheads who all put pans on their heads and eat casserole. Um, it's very ridiculous, um, but it's also very inspired by another podcast by Jennings Brown, uh, which you should totally check out called The Gateway. It's all about Teal Swan and uh, how she can see inside of your body and see what you ate for dinner um and stuff like that so, so. one of one of <laughs> the ways reasons that i mean there's cults everywhere but one of the reasons that uh america seems to be home to many cults is because of our laws surrounding brainwashing yes correct? so it's our laws regarding brainwashing and money so uh, going back to the 30s, there's a, a very, very important Supreme Court case, uh, which is the U.S. versus Ballard. The Ballards ran the I.M. cult in the 30s, which is 
kind of like proto-hippie, proto-New Age. Uh, it's the middle of the Great Depression. Their heyday was from the late 30s to the early 40s. It was based around Ballard hiking around Mount Shasta and coming upon a ascended being who gave him some nice milky white broth to drink in Mount Shasta. Wait, it's described as milky white broth? Yes, it is. So he's just, (laughs) it's, uh, you know, he gets this really nice milky white broth from the ascended master. He meets St. Germain, who's just like a traveling, uh, like this is separate from the milky white alien. This is like so pilled and so crazy that this is so early in our history. Uh, so there's like an alien just like giving out fluids. There's St. Germain, who is like a traveling like uh, bindle stiff uh, trust fund kid who is like wait in uh, real like really there is yeah yeah okay. that's he's like a real person but he calls himself Saint Germain mm-hmm. and he is also a time traveling deity that is an ascended master that has connections to like Jesus Christ according to him according to him yes and then Ballard becomes kind of like a proselytizer of it. And it's all tied up in, um, like, Blavatsky's theosophy, which is also just, like... Like, the stuff that all leads to, like, the... the Thule Society. Okay, and the Nazis. The Nazis. And it's also just, like, schizo-posting, like, really, like, early... It's, like, like late 1800s schizo-posting, where it's also kind of tied up in, uh, you know... You can become an ascended master, but you gotta like you know pay some money. Of course. So it's the I am cult, which is like I think therefore I am, but also A M as in ascended master, and also it still exists. It has nine hundred chapters all over the world. Its headquarters is in Schulfberg, Illinois, like a suburb of Chicago. Hell yeah, Schulfberg! So- shout out. <laughs> so give it up for Schulfberg. The Ballards are like they. At their absolute peak, they have a million followers in the United States in the late 30s. So they are killing the game as far as cults go. Yeah, there weren't that many people in the late 30s. Yeah. That's a good percentage just of all of the people. They're going all over. <laughs> they are soliciting donations by mail. So the United States brings up a mail fraud case against the Ballards. Uh-huh. Because they're doing, like, give us money and we'll give you magic powers stuff. Okay. And, okay. you know, people are like, I don't have magic powers. This feels like fraud. <laughs> so on and so forth. It goes to the Ninth Circuit Court. The Ninth Circuit Court goes, yo, this is fraud. Um, and they instruct the jury that they have to not consider if the religion is true or false but rather if the Ballards believe that it's true or false. And the jury is like, yeah, this is horseshit. <laughs> um, and there's also, there's like private writings between the Ballards that are like, LOL, we're taking their money. Right. So, you uh-huh. know, it's that evidence. Okay. It goes to the Supreme Court of the United States, who in a 5-4 decision go, you cannot infringe upon the religious freedoms of Americans 
by instructing the jury to consider any of their religious convictions in any way. You are, in fact, doing a big First Amendment no-no. That's the 5-4. The f- then there was a dissenting judge that was like, uh, uh, a dissenting judge uh, said, well, I want to take it even further. The the case has to be entirely thrown out, and they just win. Ballard's win. Okay. The majority opinion was retry the case, but the instruction of considering their religious conviction is unconstitutional, so you have to do the case again. So what the, are you supposed to decide based on? And then the three dissenting uh, minority opinion was that... Uh, having a religious view it doesn't matter if you're doing a crime with it like you can't murder someone because it's your religion that and sure you can't sounds like a pro- pretty good like we can't standard. do poly- we already said no polygamy uh-huh. like no polygamy no murdering no fraud you can't steal money like you can't like money is still a crime right so you're doing a crime it's like the thing where it's like what if we didn't make drugs illegal? It was just if you did a crime while you're on drugs, the crime is illegal. Crime is illegal. Right. <laughs> so they, you know, that was that. They were like, come on. And the, the Supreme Court was like, no, you can do crime. So they kicked it back to the Ninth Circuit. And then they were like, okay, we're doing it again. Don't consider their religion. And the jury was like, guilty, fraud. And then it went back to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court was like, you didn't have women on the jury. Throw the case out. Give them their tax-exempt status. Wait, the Supreme Court wanted to hear from women in the 30s? 1941. Okay. Yeah. Still? Yeah. That's more than the current Supreme Court that would is like more to than hear the... from women. Okay. So... All right. So the U.S. versus Ballard is now used as the precedent for like any time someone does like a kind of culty crime with money, they go like, eh. "Wait, was there a woman on the Supreme Court in the '40s?" No, but they were like, "We could decide." Okay, whatever. Go on. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that is. Um, so that's to say that is the framework that we're kind of operating under with a lot of cult laws mm-hmm. in America, which make it like pretty flexible. So, so what happened? Sorry, they go back and they and the jury then does. Oh, no, no, no. So it goes it goes back. The uh-huh. jury's like, yeah, it's fraud. And then it goes back to the Supreme Court. Right. They're like, mm, nah, right. no women. The Bounce ballots again. could do whatever they want. And now the IM cult is still operating successfully. So wait, they didn't have another trial. They just were like, "No, no. women, we decide." Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Because them. the first, the first case was like, "You're on thin ice." Uh huh. Kick it back. Okay. And then the second time, they were like, "Ah, ice rescinded. They're free to go." Wow. Okay. So that's that's basically the basis of the structure of how we treat cults. Cults money based crimes yes okay so it's part of the reason that with like nexium and all that it was going after it has to um, be like the like the directly like, at keith ranieri and his like bad bad crimes I, was it even the bad bad was it sex trafficking at the end of the day or was it tax fraud i feel like they usually end up being just tax fraud i think it was sex trafficking that's for good ranieri all right yeah 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 they got him on that allegedly 
not no. legendly. No, he's, he's, nope, he's in he's, jail. He's okay, convicted. sorry, I'm just getting used to right. doing yeah. the, <laughs> the disclaimers. No, uh, no, that one we can ledge. Uh, that one's legend. We're, we're alleged. We are, yeah. Uh, we're full on saying Keith Raniere is a criminal. So uh, that is our framework. And then we get into the other aspect of cult control. So there's financial control and then there's brain control. So this is the entire... For those that can't see, which is anyone listening to this, Scott just went, tapped his head and went, pop, pop, brain control. <laughs> I have been so deep in this. He's very excited. So the history of brainwashing in the United States is fucking fascinating. And it does. this does thread back to Ginny Thomas, and it threads back to the concept of like, my wife, she's gone. She has different thoughts now. The song. The song. By Seal. By Seal. Okay. Nailing it. You're bringing it back. You were, we're back to the original top. Usually we just really go off. I got we really, this. All right, you got this. It's looping. I'm He's tying. So we have to like, together. we have to ask like the concept of brainwashing. How does it come about? Uh, how does it come about? How is it defined? And is it controversial? And does it still have impact on our lives? And the answer is yes, 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 and yes. And there's a whole bunch of court cases about it. So the original mention of brainwashing is in the mid-50s. The, uh, the Korean War is going on because, you know, we're spreading freedom, preventing communism. And uh, our favorite activity, our favorite one, America's favorite pastime. So in the process of the war, there are uh, prisoners of war taken and there is a phenomena that occurs in the POW camps in which several thousand POWs start uh, doing like videotaped admissions of war crimes mm -hmm. uh, that the United States is perpetrating. They're like, we're doing germ warfare. We're killing a lot of people, and I love Korea. I would like to, I'm like, Team Korea, love it, all right? American soldiers, and this is getting broadcast within, like, the American media. And they're making them make these videos? So they're prisoners of war? They are, um, they're prisoners of war. They're being coerced. Mm -hmm. the, they're in bad conditions. And... Ultimately, 27 soldiers uh, defect fully to Korea. And they're just like, we're Korean now. Okay. So an article comes out in the Post, I think, uh, written by someone named Hunter, who coins the term brainwashing. And... The premise is that the communists have super mind control powers and they have brainwashed the Americans. And that's that's how communism like proliferates throughout the world. So is there was never the word brainwashing before? That was the first use of the term brainwashing. Whoa. Yes. So super, super communist superpowers are brainwashing people into believing something that they could not believe previously. Now, the Smithsonian Magazine in 2020 uh, went like, 
so the journalist Hunter was a CIA agent. Important to note. Okay. So there is then an effort to proliferate the idea that the communists are able to do super-duper secret magical brainwashing. And that is why anyone would want to be a communist, which is silly. And then this turns into, like, you know, the House Un-American activities. There's a direct line between this moment at the Korean prisoner of war camp and, uh, like, you know, uh, Hollywood's full of communists don't write movies anymore, that whole thing. So, which, again, is from, like, magical brainwashing powers. Wait, what? Don't write mo- movies anymore? Yeah. Uh, the blacklisting. They're communists. Oh, like pe- certain people shouldn't write mu- movies anymore? Oh, no, this was like a law. This is a this is part of like American history. Okay. They they had people inform on who was secretly a communist and if you oh, were outed Oh, this is like what's his face? McCarthy. That's the one. Yes. Right. So there's a direct thread. The CIA is planting articles uh, in America, that communists like the only reason that you would be an American communist is because someone has given you super duper brain worms, right? And now you're a communist. These like Hollywood liberals writing about like how like maybe like people getting paid to work would be cool. They're not legitimately feeling these things. They've been brainwashed, right. by communists. Okay, so don't let them write anymore. Yeah, legally. Okay. Worth noting that these POWs are in the mid-50s. The CIA started doing Project Bluebird, now known as Project Artichoke, in 1949, which was an expressed (laughs) system of uh, experimenting with uh, uh, changing people's minds without their consent. I mean, we've been... Yeah, that's been a very big focus of, like... So, you know... They were doing it early on, like, uh, you know, six years before they planted a newspaper that like, ah, the communists are brainwashing. They were experimenting with fun things like, what if we gave someone a bunch of heroin and then we took that heroin away? Would they maybe be a little bit more uh, flexible (laughs) emotionally? (laughs) So that then turns into uh, uh, funding MKUltra. So it's like Bluebird, uh, secret communist mind control, and then MK Ultra. What if we just gave people a bunch of LSD and made them wear a football helmet with speakers in it that say that they're bad over and over again, <laughs> and maybe that'll change some minds? Uh, so that is like that's happening. All but governments are trying to yes, change everyone's, everyone's trying minds. to change everyone's mind to, to and think what they would like them to think but this is the you know this is happening this is all happening it's all happening at the same time it's fucking hilarious the best quote my favorite quote out of mk ultra was uh one of the psychologists was like yeah we got pretty good at uh like blasting their mind out but it was hard to put a new mind in yeah (laughs) so that's you know, I've, I mean, I know some people personally who have blasted their own minds out, and um, they have also not succeeded yet in at putting, putting a, a new, new one back in. in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can. Uh, it's a Humpty Dumpty situation. So <laughs> for sure, this is all the 
for better or for worse, these are our scientific understandings of brainwashing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and which is to say, like, going back to the, the Korean POWs, they were held in, like, very bad conditions. They were kept up for, like, long periods of time, deprived of sleep, deprived of food, and then they were given prompts to say, and then they were like, yeah, I will say this, and I maybe even believe it. Uh, so it's uh, is, torture. Right. But these are the same things that you hear as we string our way back to cults. To cults. The sleeplessness. Yes. The many tasks. The, yes. Yeah. And the like, Food maybe we just say a thing over and over again. Yeah. Maybe we internalize I mean, I think, it. Yeah. Mantras are powerful. Whether or not, you know, if you're not setting the mantra for yourself, it might be. So we're blasting through the 60s. We okay. hit, we take a little detour at Manson. And it is worth noting that the Manson trial is based off of the supposition that he brainwashed those hippies. Of course. Because Manson didn't, like, physically do a... Right. uh, No physical Manson murder. No direct ask of them to go murder. He just brainwashed them. Mm -hmm. And that was the legal, like, grounding on which it stood. Brainwash. Then we're in the 70s in America, and there's cults all over the fucking place. <laughs> so they're just roaming the countryside, like, looking for your kids, and just going like, hey, do you want to, like, either uh, not eat, eat too much, smoke weed, not smoke weed? You know, we've got kind of a variety. Believe in God, not believe in God. We got them all. We got a bunch of cults. And the children of God happen to be prowling around Tennessee, uh, which, uh, Children of God, horrendous cult. They're terrible. They're a really very, bad one. very bad one. Uh, not fun at all. No, not a, f- not a fun, uh, like, just bad. I prefer the MLMs to the Children of God. That's true. Same. Yeah. No, they're, they're ba- bad. They're full bad. That's not a even, full yeah, bad. Yeah, there's not, like, a fun, like, Elrani twist. No. <laughs> they're just bad. It's just bad. No aliens at all. So... They're like around Tennessee, and we meet kind of our first anti-hero, Ted Roosevelt Patrick. He's Ted a Roosevelt? Theodore Roosevelt Patrick. <laughs> He's living in Tennessee. He's got half of a high school education, a few kids, some land, and these cults just keep trying to take his kids. And he's got a real folksy way of just kind of going like, it's all these goddamn cults. And I got to, like every other week, I got to go like, hey, Theodore Roosevelt Jr. Jr., like get out of that cult. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to whoop your ass, get you out of that cult. And, uh, and then there's a couple of times that he goes to some meetings and he's like, well, goddamn it, it's another cult. <laughs> so he's getting into cults. His kids are getting into cults. His friends' kids are getting into cults. And he's always just like, well, well, then they just start calling old Teddy, and I got to pull him out. Pull him out of the cult. Pull him out of the cult. Pull him out of the cult. And he starts, like, a few organizations, like the Freedom from Children of God Association of Tennessee. Oh, wow. LLC. And this is, he's not starting his own cults. No, it's... he's not starting okay. his own cult. <laughs> he is starting a series of businesses in which people can pay him to get their kids out of these goddamn cults. I love that. And... <laughs> 
he's doing it without any sort. He's just he's just a cult whisperer. All uh-huh. right. And he starts to team up with other people that are starting to be concerned about cults because it's really important to note that was just fucking legal to do. Still is. <laughs> and it's just it's the American Wild West. You could just go like, I believe in the floating light bulb monster. Give me all your money. And it was just a real big problem. And then there was, uh, so Theodore Patrick, he was taking people out. And then there were some renegade psychologists that were thinking about, maybe we should get people out of cults. Uh, Notably, Rick Ross and Steve Hassan, both of which had their brief times with cults. Steve Hassan is the nice cult man. He's in in every documentary He's an important character in this. And then Rick Ross is uh, kind of the partner in that early 80s endeavor who gets into some interesting stuff. So he's the he's the Moonies, right? Yes. He was a member of the Unification Church for two and a half years uh, and got fully Mooney pilled. And then he like fell asleep while driving uh, because they weren't letting him sleep, woke up in a hospital and his family was like, Steve, you got to stop doing this. And that was it. That was like his big moment. And then he dedicated his life to pursuing like five PhDs in psychology, uh, studying, uh, you know, uh, a bunch of stuff and then like dedicating his life to being like, it's a fucking cult, you know? All right. So Ted Patrick starts to team up with. Uh, Rick Ross, Steve Hassan in the early 80s. So it's it Teddy Roosevelt uh-huh. and Rick Ross. Yes. <laughs> Just, okay. Yes. All right. Um, and this is, th- and these they are go the like, names. They go, that, these are the names. And they go like, Teddy Roosevelt, I think that the Free Association from Children of God United LLC, uh, not a church uh, Esquire, isn't that catchy of a name. What I if we, would agree, yeah. What if we call it the Cult Awareness Network? Yeah, that's nice. Okay. So then they form the Cult Awareness Network, which Ginny Thomas does some work with. I see. Boom! Look at that thread! Okay. Song to Ginny Thomas. Thomas. Ginny Thomas to Cult, Cult Awareness, Awareness Network. Network. Stick in the landing. So Cult Awareness Network to... Oh, to crazier shit. Okay. Okay. So... The Cult Awareness Network is really dedicating itself to being like, this is a cult. Hello, America. This thing is a cult. Mm -hmm. This organization is a cult. Like what you tried to say about Landmark, but you had to tell me that it wasn't a cult. It is not a cult. Okay. (laughs) Legally. Cult Awareness Network would agree? Cult Awareness Network has to agree. So Cult Awareness Network is also engaged in deprogramming. Mm-hmm. That is what Ted Patrick started doing, who, again, is a... He's just a guy. He's just a guy in Tennessee. He keeps having Pulling people, people out, out of cults. cults and being like, stop being in this motherfucking cult. Okay. Okay? So, the thing is... You can't just tell people to stop being in a motherfucking cult, though. You gotta oh. deprogram their brain. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ted Patrick's methods <laughs> were very deprogrammy. <laughs> uh, so, Ted Patrick, in his time before Cult Awareness Network and during Cult Awareness Network, would get paid pretty handsomely by family members to go 
and find their child, get like a group of dudes together, pull them into a van. They kidnapped them. They kidnapped them. And then Ted Patrick would do like, here's a gun. Uh, we're going to stay here in this hotel room. And if you try to leave, I'll fucking shoot you until you stop being in this motherfucking cult. <laughs> and he'd be like, hey, you see this picture of your cult god? Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> Look at that. That's so strong now. That's His a- cult god powers are protecting me from shooting this picture. Wow. Okay. And this uh, was this was worked? It did. <laughs> and Rick Ross and Steve Hassan and other psychiatrists were like, Teddy Roosevelt has some pretty out there methods, but we do have to admit they're pretty. We wouldn't go so far as to do this ourselves, but if after, you know, we do uh, gentle deprogramming, we lightly kidnap them and lightly hold them in a hotel room, and if they want to leave, they can. But also, legally, we won't do that, but also... If you're in a real pickle with your child's brain, Pocket Teddy head? does get stuff done. Okay. <laughs> so, needless to say, Teddy finds himself in lots of legal trouble throughout the history of the Cult Awareness Network. Because Teddy also kind of had a loose... Uh, criteria for what would and would not be a cult that your child was in. Um, uh, Famously, in 1990, there was a San Francisco waitress who got, like, really involved with uh, being a leftist, and their parents were like, don't like that. (laughs) So, Teddy, can you go abduct our daughter and be like, stop asking for more money at work? (laughs) And Teddy obliged. So Okay, so he would just take any client and kidnap their kid and try to get them to get their kid's value systems to align back with their parents. Yes. <laughs> it sounds like a recipe for disaster. Well, it was. Okay. <laughs> so um, that is, and that is to say that it was also, it was a rough and tumble world because you just had the children of God going around being really bad. And there was just a loose, renegade society of psychiatrists who were like, hey, we got Teddy here, and Teddy could get stuff done. Okay. Yeah. So this does come kind of grinding to a big problem in the early 90s when the Cult Awareness Network is doing everything they can within the legal system to uh, make Scientology stop being Scientology. Mm, they don't like that. They don't like to stop that. They do not like that at all. So. They would be the ones that ended it. Scientology. <laughs> the Church of Scientology has teams of lawyers, teams of like professionals and everything, because they've been doing this for a while, and they got a lot of money, way more money than the Cult Awareness Network. And they do take notice of the fact that these deprogrammings get a little dicey so there is a case uh the uh patrick lawsuit scott patrick wait oh. isn't the guy ted? no ted patrick ah are you Sorry. inserting scott. yourself you're scott. <laughs> you're, scott. <I'm> scott. <laughs> you're scott i'm scott you're scott he's ted 
You're okay. Scott, he said. <laughs> There's a case in Idaho where Rick Ross gets hired by someone's mother okay. to pull him out of a fundamentalist uh, like Christian Idaho sect. Okay? He gets paid. He abducts Wait, the child. Rick Ross? Rick Ross. He's abducting too? Oh, Rick Ross was abducting. Okay. Rick Ross did a lot of abducting. He didn't go like bang, 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 bang. He, he wasn't as It was a, a looser abduct. It was a looser abduct. A light abduct. kidnap. It was a light kidnap. Okay. But okay. Rick Ross did do the kidnaps. So he kidnaps this, this lady's child, gets paid to do it. You got you know, it's a job. It's a job. And uh the Church of Scientology goes like, Rick Ross just kidnapped someone. They immediately get one of their lawyers to ambulance chase the kid. Mm-hmm. And they convince him to sue the ever-loving shit out of Rick Ross. Yeah. And then uh, through a few years of cases, this Church of Scientology strips Rick Ross of all credibility and uh, money. And liquidates the cult awareness network. Wow. I mean, it is, it's like such a complicated thing because, like, they are, you are an adult. You so are. So, how can an you adult. tell an adult what to do? It is kind of kidnapping, but also. It's literally kidnapping, yeah. but kidnapping for good. I don't know. You know, I mean, what these methods of the bang, bang, shoot, shoot, are they just freaking, are they just making them scared to do? I just don't, I wonder about the effects of the, the deprogramming. To methods that he was using. Oh, like, Ted did they go on to live their lives, or were they just Ted traumatized? Patrick <laughs> is definitely doing bad shit. Like, Ted Patrick is a problematic figure within this. Rick Ross is doing, is not doing bang, bang, shoot, shoot. He's challenging the authority of the cult. He is, uh, Expo- they're doing the uh, like, like, you have immersion. to look up, because you can't look at the internet, like, when you're in, like, Scientology. They won't let you, like, you search like Scientology and try to look at like bad press, they'll be like, "What are you doing? You're going against. You're going against. Yeah, yeah you know that you're not supposed. You're a suppressive effect. person. Yeah. yeah, suppressive personality. Um, so the the clinically trained therapists within the cult awareness network were doing like less bang bang shoot shoot, more like let's talk about it. Let's talk about your suppositions here, and we'll challenge the the uh, the benevolence of your leader. Okay, you know, so, like your your leader is all good. I totally get that, but didn't they do this to you? How did that make you feel? Stuff like that, like you know. But in order to present someone with that information, you have to pull them away from the cult structure. Because otherwise, they'll just get, you know, all ooey-gooey brainwashed again. Yeah. So, I just would, you'd want them to, I just, you know, I just feel like you'd want it to be their own decision also, though, too. Because if you, if you were just like, I'm going to kidnap you away from this community that you belong to and make you do therapy... I just I just want to see I just want to see how how well that worked because it might just force you back into like it might just silo you back into that way of thinking because of uh 
Because now, I mean, being kidnapped by someone probably doesn't feel great, no matter who's kidnapping you. Just saying. Right. <laughs> Don't mean to be against it. I just, um, I just wonder about that, you know, because... I've watched a lot of cult documentaries, and you have to, you know, they have to leave on their own. It has to be their decision, right? Unless you go and kidnap them, I guess, is the only other option. I just don't, I want to know how well that works. Well, I'm guessing it either gets you out or drives you deeper. I guess it's, I think it's like one of the two. I guess that's the risk I'm, yeah. I'm thinking, is there's a risk there that now you just are even more attached to these people because they are safety and security for you. And it is worth noting that some of the stories of where we get some of the tales of how harsh the deprogramming is uh-huh. are from people that went back to like Scientology. And then Scientology prompts them to talk about how bad it was, that experience. Right. Okay, so they sue the ever-living shit out of the Cult Awareness Network. Yes. And? So, in the liquidation of the Cult Awareness Network, um, and also, uh, this is where there are a series of legal cases that are um, centered around um, coercive control within Mm -hmm. cults, and the concept of that you can force someone to act outside of their own free will through cult programming, a.k.a. brainwashing. Yeah. And in 1994, uh, during these uh, proceedings, the Church of Scientology gets um, Margaret Singer, a clinical psychologist who had, like, worked with the POWs in Korea and had researched cults and methods of control up until uh, like her death that was her life's work. Mm-hmm. They get her disbarred from the American Psychological Association and uh, make the legal defense of brainwashing completely inadmissible within the United States uh, legal uh, system. This is in the 90s. 1994. So, so if the Manson case had happened in the 90s, it would have been in completely different case yes interesting yes so what happens to people that were convicted with the or eh. <laughs> is there an okay there's like no record i mean uh-huh. you know uh but it's just important to note that then there is a a wave of uh scholarly works that come out like criticizing this is why when you look up like steve hassan uh you'll see entries of like controversial figure this all stems from this. There's like uh, uh, Bromley, who's a uh, uh, Rutgers professor who wrote a book called Strange Gods, which presupposes like, what if cults weren't actually bad? I've gone to cults and they all seem happy. Dumb shits. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and that's the that's kind of like the the third way of that is like it stemmed from these cases. It's like, well, maybe we shouldn't think cults are bad. Uh, so and that was a man, right? That was a man. Okay, just yeah. Just checking. Oh, they're all yes, they are men. <laughs> Except Teal Swan. Well, I meant I meant the defense. The, the of... man who says that cults are good, everyone's happy here, was a man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a I man was, was a man. He was a man and not a woman. Uh, they're also associated with. Uh, there are two. Uh, uh, 
I wrote down almost everybody's name. Oh, Anson D. Shoup is a uh, a professor, so, uh, a, a sociologist who uh, was a Scientologist, and he has written a lot of stuff about how brainwashing isn't real and like so on and so forth. So like, isn't that fun? Um, the Cult Awareness Network has all of their resources stripped, and a bankruptcy lawyer goes. Um, well, one of the Scientology lawyers goes, hey, they can't pay all the bajillion dollars that they owe us for us suing the ever-loving shit out of them. Um, if you just give us, like, all of their resources and their name and, like, every single bit of internal uh, Wait, communication what? that they've ever had, the phone numbers of everyone who's ever contacted them. No. Uh, if you just give us all of their internal documents, we'll call it good. That has to be illegal. Well, it wasn't. They went, yeah, sure. And Wait, then the so Church of Scientology now operates the new cult awareness network. Get out. Wow. Get yes. out. Absolutely, one hundred percent. There is a cult awareness network now. Yes, and it's run by the That's Church run? of Scientology. Amazing! A hundred percent real. And this is the this is the world that we have been occupying our entire adult lives. That was since the nineties. That is since nineteen ninety four. Huh. So. So every... what does the cult awareness network think about Scientology? Love it. It's they're a religion. Just, they're just a free religion. Uh huh. They're just living free, living under their First Amendment rights to operate as a religion within the within the United States. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, uh, to go you back, I gave it up for them. Now, here's was that the pre Elrond death or post Elrond death. Po oh, this is Miscavige. Okay. Miscavige, just as either of them doing this. It's it's a the Elrond kind of like clever alley. You know, well, I mean, Elrond taught Miscavige everything right. that he knows about being a cult leader. So <laughs> being a bad, bad boy. Right. So am I allowed to say that about Scientology? A religious oh, uh, minister. A religious minister. <laughs> um, oh, Landmark is also they're um, they're double suing with Scientology. Uh, they're they're doing like class actiony stuff against the cult awareness network. Uh, Wait, they're suing Scientology? No, 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 no. They teamed the up with Scientology. Cult Awareness Network. The one yes. from the 90s? They're still suing? No, 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 no. That's that's what happened in the 1994 case. That Wait, it, Landmark also, was around since the 90s? Landmark existed kind of since the 80s when that Other one, thing died. two removed that had Ginny Thomas in it. Okay. Uh, Are you going to yes. go into that? Because I'm kind of uh, curious. Are we going back to that? Well, I mean, th just that it so happens to coincide here that Landmark is working with Scientology. They're, like, exchanging mm -hmm. lawyers and stuff to destroy the cult awareness network. Right. Isn't that fun? Uh-huh. And Landmark is not a cult. And and who, what's, is there something current that's making this be a, a part, a thing that we're really emphasizing how they are not? Anytime that someone says that Landmark is a cult, they really get them for libel. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And all those people, I wonder why there's so many people out there saying that. Libelous I, statement. People are saying this highly controversial, illegal thing to say about Landmark. Hmm. That just happened to 
have a similar opinion as the Church of Scientology in the early 90s in regards to the Cult Awareness Network. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, this is stemming from that that one legal action taken against Rick Ross, and it is really nice to note that the plaintiff in that case, uh, Scott, last name Scott, this is where Scott came in? This is where Scott came in, okay. the Scott case. Um, so the original uh, the original uh, settlement was for like a million dollars and, you know, like all your assets. Throughout this proceeding, and uh, Scott was represented by a Scientology lawyer mm-hmm. in this uh, whole thing, uh, he reconciles with his mother. So Rick Ross... Did succeeded. It. Okay. So Scott reconciles with his, with his mother and then resettles. Like after the cult awareness network is stripped and Rick Ross is like blah, like destroyed in the eyes of the public. Um they resettle for five thousand dollars and two hundred hours of counseling services from Rick Ross to help uh like put his brains back together he fires the scientology lawyer and uh and goes like i was absolutely like rolled rick rolled yeah (laughs) so that's kind of like a you know silver lining okay scott comes back comes back and then the you know rick ross gets a little like you know pat on the head yeah okay his career is less destroyed or just it was pretty well i mean there's like a there's a rough patch like Mm -hmm. in the mid 90s you know scientology was just kind of popping yeah you know they had beck and all the actors yeah uh, and that's because they won all these cases they were doing and uh and then basically everyone associated with the cult awareness network was just kind of fucked for like 10 years but now you'll you know rick ross and steve asan they pop up on like every single podcast and TV show, and they're kind of getting a little, you know, forgiveness. Yeah. Maybe they know stuff about cults. Yeah. <laughs> which is, uh, yeah, which is all to say, brainwashing, despite the history of every single government trying to do it, and all these cases of people being like, I think things that I didn't think before, is considered by the like uh the main body of psychiatry within the United States and legally to be fake just a thing that cannot happen cannot happen and it's a it's approached from like all sides there's like there's bad takes on every side because of the whole history of it there's just the like well cults are good <laughs> take that uh-huh. is like surprisingly well uh like researched within academia now and then uh there's the um there is the unfortunate lib take that, that pops up that uh because it stems from like cold war stuff and mk ultra and all that shit mm-hmm. they someone will come up like with a bow tie and be like they had to make up something as ridiculous as brainwashing as to explain why someone would want to be a socialist uh-huh like Bad so, take. Also ignoring that that maybe that 
uh, maybe they, there's yeah. something also happening here. That there's also something yeah. happening. Yeah. And is there a is there a, is there anyone out there with an? Or I guess you're saying no. Who's got the Who's got the take? The, who's got the Who's take got the, the best take on brainwashing? Yeah. I mean, like Steve saw and like saw a bunch of people get brainwashed. Well, what about this song? What's the song's take on brainwashing? Well, the song's take on brainwashing is that it's absolutely real because the guy like sees his wife have his uh enti- her entire like brain scooped out and change all of her behavior and get taken in by a coercive mean mean cult. Yeah. So, what, Seal Where does the story go in the song? Is that is it just telling I think that that's story? It. it does What? That's it. That's it. Yeah. Oh. He's sad. She leave. Wow. Classic. Yeah. Song. What do you think the important one? About brainwashing. Um I I think brainwashing is too wide of a term for me. I think it's uh I think it's a little more there's a little more going on there than just like changing someone how they think. I think people are I think people are looking for something and you just bend to fit whatever they're looking for and then you get them to buy into whatever you're selling, basically. I think I just I don't think it's like I, I don't know. I, I think, you know, the whole torture someone until they believe you, I don't think you need to go that far a lot of the times with these cults. So I don't know. That's what I think. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Good take. Well, best take. Best take. The take we end on? We can end on the best take. Sorry, did I cut off the journey? That is everything. That is the history of the American perception of brainwashing from 1940 to now. You know what we didn't do is I'm Summer Krinsky. And I'm Scott Murphy. This is I I Don't Don't Heart Heart Radio. Radio. Wait, before we end, there's there's, there's one thing, though. The Colt Education Institute. If you want to know about cults and if what people are talking about cults, if you think you're in a cult, go to the Colt Education Institute. It has all of, it has filled the the need that Scientology has taken away. That is Rick Ross's newest venture. Fuck yeah, Rick Ross. All right. We'll see you next week.